Welcome to the Think Podcast with Joel Sedecase. I'm Joel Sedecase, and this is the show that helps you understand the Christian perspective and feel more confident sharing and answering objections to it. Have you ever sat down next to someone on an airplane and wanted to share your faith with them, but you had no idea where to begin? Or have you ever seen a street preacher shouting about hell and judgment to passersby on the street and asked yourself, is that really what God wants us to do? Or have you ever found yourself in a crowd and realized probably many of these people are currently on their way to hell? And I have the answer, but I have no idea how to give it to them. Well, these are questions of evangelism. And if you're like many Christians today, you have at one point or another felt like evangelism was a foreign concept, something that others may be gifted in, but sadly is out of your reach. In this episode, we're going to help you get a grip on just what evangelism looks like in today's world, why it's so important, and how you, yes, you, can get started in pursuing this vital Christian discipline, and even enjoy doing it. My guest today is Tom Schmidt, planting pastor of Cross of Christ Fellowship in Naperville, Illinois, as well as a blogger. Tom's a personal friend of mine and is a gifted conversationalist, a guy that I've learned a ton from. Tom knows how to convey the good news about Jesus in an easily understandable way and how to mobilize others to do so as well. So I'm very very excited that I've got him on the Think Podcast. And in our discussion today, we're going to look at evangelism from three viewpoints. Evangelism in the Bible, types of evangelism today, and what does it mean to be an evangelist or to do personal evangelism? We'll also look at some of the problems that people have with evangelism and then talk about practical ways that you can get started. So, Tom Schmidt, welcome to the Think Podcast. Thanks, Joel. Good to be here today. So, Tom, how would you define evangelism to... Someone who doesn't really have a concept of what that is or might even be suspicious of the idea. Mm. And again, I've just got this one mic, so sure. you can speak right into yeah, it. Yeah, well, I think evangelism is just sharing the good news of the gospel, um, the good news of Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Um, I became a Christian in college through through Crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, and I always liked Bill Bright's definition, actually. Amen. Sharing the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Mm. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, as a crew missionary, um, mm-hmm. I think I'm actually contractually obligated to agree with Bill Bright. Right. So, um, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. How did you become so enthusiastic about evangelism yourself? Yeah, so, you know, I became a Christian when I was 18 at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, um, and through crew, you know, and one of the things that Campus Crusade for Christ is really, really emphasized is doing evangelism. And so, I, as yeah. a brand new Christian, I think even before I was a Christian, somebody took me out and was sharing, they were sharing their faith on campus. Hmm. And I was terrified. <laughs> I didn't say anything at all the first time we went out. And, you know, when I became a Christian on campus, that, that process of um, sharing my faith with others and that it's just a normal part of being a Christian was really ingrained in me hmm. in my, those early years of discipleship. And uh, eventually I started to have a little bit more courage and I started taking other people out, share my faith on campus. Were you a Christian at this point? Yeah. So okay. I became a Christian that freshman year. And it just, there's such a joy in sharing your faith with others. And I know that when I do it, that I experience that joy. And it's, 
you know, it's a biblical, I think it's a biblical conviction that we are called to go and share our faith with others. So um, when I do it, I share, I feel joy. When I read the scriptures, I see that it's important and vital. Mm. Um, and so I always come back to it. And I think it's, it's probably like the other disciplines, you know, you, maybe you feel strong in it for a season and then you kind of, you're not as involved in it as much. And it kind of ebbs and flows. Yeah. I think just, just like prayer, maybe you're in a season where you pray, more fervently or you feel like you've got a really strong prayer life and then not as much. Yeah. Um, but it's just a discipline I think we can all as believers grow in. So. And are you comfortable yeah. with the word evangelism? Is there another yeah. term that you prefer? Or? I think I'm, I'm just fine with it. You know, it's, you know, it's describing, uh, the, the, uh, the act of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those around you. And I actually mm. read some notes from a, a seminar uh, a while ago, and I, I took a, I like J.I. Packer's definition, and this is from his book, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, which is a great book. Um, and he said this, evangelism is preaching the gospel, the good news. It is a work of communication in which Christians make themselves mouthpieces for God's message of mercy to sinners. Anyone faithfully delivers that message under whatever circumstances in a large meeting, a small meeting from a pulpit or in a private conversation is evangelizing. Hmm. So, J.I. Packer there. Cool. He also said, it's going out in love as Christ's agent in the world to teach sinners the truth of the gospel with a view to converting and saving them. So. Love it. There we go. Packer, you can't you, disagree with Packer. No, well, you can't. Well, you can sometimes, but. Well, yeah, sure. He's he's so good. Um, are you familiar with Max Stiles? Uh, I've heard of him. He, okay, he's an yeah. evangelist out in Dubai, and he says okay. he calls evangelism uh, sharing the gospel with the intent to persuade. Yeah, so that's good. I heard echoes of that, and yeah. I wonder if he's probably read Packer mm -hmm. as well. I'm sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Now, I I know you as a guy who is enthusiastic about evangelism, and so thank you for sharing sure. how you came came to that. It sounds like you were discipled. In yeah. that very early. Yeah. Um, that was a part of your introduction to Christianity. Sure. What's been the effect of your enthusiasm on the church that you pastor? Yeah. Have you, have you seen an effect there? I think it, hopefully it leads others to be more encouraged to be involved in it. Because I think all Christians, you know, we feel like we could do a better job of it. You know, we, yeah. we feel, we often can feel like failures. Like, oh, I don't do it very well or mm. I don't do it at all or yeah. I'm just intimidated about it. And um, I, I think it's encouraged others to step out in faith. And, you know, as I as I share, I, I don't think I'm the expert. You know, I'm, I'm just learning just like everybody else. Mm. And we step out in faith and God uses, you know, us crooked sticks, you know, broken yeah. instruments yes. to do his will and to bring people to faith in Christ. And so... I think it's encouraged others. And I know when other people share about how they've shared the gospel with other people, but I'm always encouraged. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to I want to share my faith with somebody as well. Totally. Um, so it kind of, it's that whole iron sharpening iron. It's it, it stirs up that desire and reminds you of the biblical perspective that people need Jesus and Jesus came to save sinners. Amen. So. Yeah. And when you think about the average Christian who, mm -hmm. like you said, maybe wishes they did more evangelism. Yeah. What, what would you, what would be one thing that you'd want Christians to understand about evangelism? If there's one yeah. thing. Um, well, the one thing 
that's one thing, you know, <laughs> that's a good question. What's one thing Christians, maybe just that, you know, it's part of, part of following Jesus. You know, God has called us to share our faith with those who don't know Jesus. Mm. So it's not just for the professionals. It's not just for missionaries or pastors, but, you know, God has put um, unbelievers in, in all of our lives and he's called all of us to share our faith, all of us who are Christians to do it. So it's an act of obedience, um, but it's all—it's also as we do it, there's there's a joy in that obedience. There's a closeness yeah. to the Lord. Um, and in some ways, I feel like our we experience our, our faith in a like just a, a, a when we experience the joy of knowing Christ, mm. you know, when we do it. So um, and it is a sweet joy when you do see someone come to faith. And I think I always, I always, one way I think about it is like, you know, if you are a Christian, somebody at some point has shared the gospel with you, whether that's your pastor or your parent or your friend. And if someone has shared it with you and God has worked through that to draw you to himself, he's going to use you to draw others to himself as you share the gospel. And who are these people? Hmm. You know, and so... That's, that might be my thing. That might be my word is it's, it's part of following Christ. And I would go to Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And part of that making disciples of all nations is proclaiming the good news of the gospel uh, and helping people understand what it means to follow Christ. Okay, so that's actually a perfect segue because yeah. let's talk about evangelism in the Bible. Yeah. Um, this is not a concept that we came up with. It certainly right. didn't, it's not a church growth strategy of the 21st century or something like that. It right. does go back to scripture. Yeah. And so when we think about evangelism in the Bible, yeah. as followers of Christ, we want to make sure that we're talking about things mm-hmm. in the same way the Bible does. So yeah. how do we see the Bible introduce the concept or define the concept of evangelism? Well, I think we can go all the way back actually to the Old Testament. You know, there's the Abrahamic call. And that hmm. that Abraham was called, you know, he said that God promised Abraham back in Genesis that through him, all of the nations would be blessed, you know. And at this point in redemptive history, you know, you have God made Adam and Eve and there's the fall and there's this estrangement uh, from God. But God continues to reach out in love to his people. Hmm. And he makes a promise that through Abraham, all the nations would be blessed. And, and in the book of Isaiah... You know, it's just that Israel is to be a light to the nation. So even in the Old Testament, there's this ministry to those who don't know the one true God of all reality that God's people are to to do. Mm. And then when we get to the New Testament, the Messiah has arrived. And preceding the Messiah is John the Baptist, repent. You know, the kingdom of God is at hand. And that was Jesus's message, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus sends out his apostles his disciples to preach they were preachers of the gospel um and jesus christ you know he died he rose again he sent his spirit and now his followers go out and proclaim the gospel Mm. and we read that in the book of acts you have the you know you've got peter's sermon you know he's preaching and thousands of people come to faith is it chapter four let's open up four is uh we must obey god rather than men yeah, and so well, two? right in that right in the opening, I think Acts two, right? You have got Peter's sermon, and people are cut to the heart. Peter's yeah, Acts chapter two, Peter's okay. sermon at Pentecost, you know, and he's preaching, he's he's doing evangelism. Yes, you know, he, yes, and all of these people come to faith in Christ. As you read through the book of Acts, you see the apostles are continuing to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. You've got Philip the evangelist. You've got Paul. 
Jesus hanging out, you know, with, with people, of course, in his life, um, yeah. sharing the good news of the gospel. And so you see it, it's just, it's modeled for us in scripture. And in scripture, you know, Paul says, you know, imitate me as I follow Christ. Yeah. And Paul clearly was doing the work of evangelism. Mm. And so in Colossians chapter four, you know, he in that letter there, he says this in Colossians chapter four, you know, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful and with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So he's praying, he's asking for prayer for that, for opportunities to share the gospel. And so he's showing, he's modeling that for us, that we are to seek those opportunities and to take them. All right, so well. Paul was clearly sent by Jesus Christ as an apostle. Right. Clearly gifted in evangelism. You mentioned Philip yeah. the evangelist. Yeah. There are some great examples of evangelism being done in scripture. Yeah, that's right. How do we know that God wants, that evangelism is something that God wants all believers to take part in mm -hmm. and not just the capital E evangelists or the mm -hmm. apostles. We don't have apostles today, but let's say pastors, mm -hmm. maybe even pastors of evangelism. Tom, sure. how do we know that this is for everyone? Yeah, well, I do think it comes back down to like where Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Okay. And I think it's one of the spiritual disciplines, honestly, just okay. like, all Christians, like your pastor will pray for you, but all Christians are called to pray. Right. You know, your pastor right. might serve you in a particular way, but all Christians are to serve mm. one another. And I think evangelism is one of those things, honestly, that it's not just for the pastors and the, the missionaries, though they especially need to be involved in it. Yeah. But um, but I, I think it's just you can make a, a pretty good biblical case for her. It's something for all Christians. Okay. Yeah. And so in the Great Commission, Matthew yes. 28, 18 through 20. That's a good passage. Do you see that as a mm -hmm. as a commission of the whole church rather than just the, the yes. apostles, those who were founding the church? I do. Okay. Yeah, I think there's that. But you also have, I mean, a, a great passage in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Where Paul is talking mm. about this ministry of reconciliation. Oh, yes. You know, and I yes. think that's one that I often use when helping people, um, helping other believers think about what what is our role, you know, as Christians to those who are outside of Christ. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, Paul for, opens up by talking about this new creation. If you are a Christian, you're a new creation. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against him and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Um, we, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So it's that whole ministry of reconciliation. And as Christians, we are ambassadors of Christ. I love that. And yeah. I love the urgency that Paul has there. We yeah. implore you. Yes. It's not we suggest to you, right. please consider this. That's it's, right. This is Paul doing what Jesus talked about mm -hmm. in that parable of the king sending yeah. his servant out to beat the bushes. That's right. And just drag people in. Paul is trying to drag yeah. them in. Yeah. And actually... When I first started my pastoral blog back in 20, 
13, some 14. Mm-hmm. Um, I called it an urgent appeal. It was based on mm-hmm. second Corinthians five because it is, it's an urgent appeal. We yeah. want, we, you don't know how much time you have left. That's right. Please be reconciled to God while you have a chance. Yeah. And you know, in the book of Acts too, it's that they're going out. There's the, the language of persuading, mm. you know, it's, it, yeah, it's yes. the urgency. There's a, a seeking to persuade others. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, man. Yeah. Love it. Now, when we think about the culture that we're in today, sure. it's very different from the biblical culture in, right. in many ways. Yeah. Well, when we're looking at how evangelism should be done then in our current milieu, yeah. what are some of the different methods that are out there that we need to know about? Just speaking yeah. broadly. Well, I think there's lots of different methods, isn't there? You know, there's there's relational evangelism where you're you're building friendships with people okay. and being intentional and you're not you're not using them, you're not just building a friendship just so that they'll come to faith in Christ, mm-hmm. but being intentional in your friendships to be open about who you are and to, and to be intentional in sharing the good news of the gospel. Um, there's there's events that you can put on individually or as a church. You can put on a Bible study that's particularly geared toward non-Christians. You can host um, bigger meetings. You can do it online. You can do it cold contact. I think that there's just a ton of different ways, Hmm. you know, and I guess now with technology, it's the the online. There's more and more people that are coming to faith uh, because because they've seen a great video explaining the gospel. Um, I heard, uh, I know somebody who's got a podcast and one of their listeners listened to the podcast. I think it was the husband of the wife who's listened to it and he came to faith. Really? After listening to a podcast. <laughs> so to encourage you with your podcast, Joel, wow. you know, you never know how God will use that. Yeah. Um, so we, we use the technology that we're in. You know, we, um, a great, I love that uh, idea from Augustine and he has this, this, uh, uh this concept called plundering the Egyptians. Mm. So when the people of Israel left Egypt, you know, they, they received the gold and then they could use the gold and these different things that, you know, that they ended up using it for bad purposes for building an idol. Yeah, that's right. But that concept, though, of like, there's these things of common grace uh, in our culture that we can use uh, to proclaim Christ and to get the word out. And, you know, I think there's a, a lot of opportunities online, you know, yeah. videos and content that we put out there. So, which yeah. which is pretty cool it's because pretty cool, YouTube yeah being run by Google, Facebook being run by Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, these guys are not believers. Right. They're not intentionally setting us up a platform to do evangelism. And yet, here we are. Yeah, well, it's like the first century with the Roman roads. You know, there's this this road system that made traveling very easy and throughout the Roman Empire and safe. And it was through that that the missionaries, apostles, disciples would go on these roads to all these places and share the gospel. You know, that is a really cool comparison. Yeah. The internet today and these different social networks. Yeah. They are very similar, aren't they, to to what the the Roman roads were in those days. Or even the the common Greek language, the Koine language. Right. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, in the past, and I'm thinking back to the time of like in the 18th and 19th centuries during the what we now call the Great Awakening, First Great Awakening, yeah. Second Great Awakening. Sure. It seems like, Tom, it seems like those movements, when you had many thousands, maybe even millions of people coming to faith in Christ. Yeah. It seems like the primary methodology at that time was you'd have a, an evangelist. Yeah. 
who would either rent out a hall or put up a, mm-hmm. a tent. And this is where we'd get the term big tent revival from. Right. And yeah. they would host, they would go into a town for yeah. an extended period of time mm-hmm. and they would do these big revival and they would call them revival meetings. Yeah. And, you know, some of that was, some of that was, uh, you know, it went in some, some crazy directions, but like Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, even, uh, DL Moody. And, and these guys, you know, you think of them preaching to these massive crowds. Charles Spurgeon had some of that over in England. Yep. Is that, Billy Graham did that. Billy Graham did it. Is that, is that method still valid today? You is got, that, you'll look at Luis Palau hmm. doing a bit of that. Okay. And, uh, I mean, is it still that? I mean, yeah, God still uses that, you know, and God still works through those big events, I think. And maybe it, uh, maybe we're not seeing it as much here as it was done, you know, in the last couple centuries. But I mean, I wonder if a lot of, maybe it's, it's in a sense shifts to the online where you have thousands or even millions of people watching an event online. Perhaps there's potential there for really talented, uh, people, people who are really, that God has really gifted to speak, um, in those ways, mm. you know, there's a potential and I, who knows, maybe, maybe that will come again. You know, I, mm. I, I think for me, I, I'm, it's like, use, use lots of different methods. Just do what, do what you can to get the word out. So use it. If you're, if a big, big outdoor meeting is working, then do it. You know, if it's okay. not working, if, if it's going to be one-on-one or one-on-two in a coffee shop. Why not do both? Cool. You know, I, that's kind of my approach. Rather than yeah. ruling out one in favor of the other, yeah, I think try to can, follow where the Lord's leading. And it leading. depends too on your how God has particularly gifted you, mm. and how He's how He's made you, and how He's made the church and the community. And um, there's probably places in the world where that could could work pretty effectively still. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I don't feel like I'm I know enough. You know, but I yeah yeah. You know, I was speaking with a pastor yesterday from the area and he was telling me that he had a ton of success actually with mailers. Sure. And everybody poo-poos mailers nowadays, but his yeah. church sent out these, these cards. Okay. You know, whatever it was, like a four by eight card or yeah. something like that. And uh, we got at least one of them. I, he sent uh, he sent, he sent them out to 90,000 people in our area. Okay. And sent, sent them out two, you know, two of these cards about a couple weeks apart. And they had like, you know, hundreds of people show up for their, wow. their service. Sure. So, okay. you know, you think mailers, who check, who cares? Right. Most people throw that stuff in the, in the garbage sure. nowadays, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's great. I mean, it shows that their heart is to see people come to know Christ. Yeah. And so I think it's use whatever you can. So if you have the resources, you know, to send out 90,000 yeah, because that ain't cheap. <laughs> it's not cheap. And you have someone who can design it well. I mean, you think of all the people that move into the community. Somebody's new and they get a mailer and they think, oh, you know, I was just talking to my spouse about finding a church. Mm. Maybe maybe I should check this one out. You know, and uh, it seems like in the Chicago area, there's a lot of transientness. Like people like come and they go and we yes. can't just, we can't assume that everyone's been invited to church. That's a great point. And, and again, you never know how the Lord will use it. You know, I've heard, I've heard stories of people who come into church through mm. mailers or door hangers. And, you know, we have, our God is able to, to work through those things. So again, let's do as much as we can. Yeah. And so I don't think we're in a problem where we're 
trying too much. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Yeah, right. I think we're on the opposite side. <laughs> and sometimes we see a male or something and we think, oh, that's cheesy. Or yeah. somebody's got a sign in their yard about the, you know, their church come to the service. Mm-hmm. And maybe I think the temptation is to feel judgmental or to be self-righteous. That's the temptation in the flesh. Sure. But it's like, you know, we should we should be like Philippians 1 where Paul's rejoicing that Christ is being proclaimed. Mm. It's like, well, maybe that... That secret sensitive church down the road is sending out 90,000 90, flyers and we're not able to. But, you know, Christ is going to be proclaimed. Yes. And in that, we can we should imitate Paul and rejoice. Amen. And, uh, yeah, maybe my neighbor won't come to my church, but they'll get the flyer from my friend's church mm-hmm. and they'll come. So, more, more mailers. <laughs> yeah, know. God's not looking at yeah. us going, you know... You guys are really going overboard with this whole evangelism thing. <laughs> You're trying too hard. Yeah. And there's the parable about using unrighteous wealth to gain friends. Right. Thing, right. So, yes. And it, that's just using our wealth to using the resources that God's given us mm. to make connections with others and to invite them to know Christ. So, mm. you know, whether it's mailers or, or Facebook or Google ads, mm-hmm. um, I think we should use whatever resources we have. And, you know, maybe it's, it is trying to be prudent. Yeah, you know, and there yeah. might be like after an analyzing, like, well, maybe this is there's a more effective way. But yeah, I do feel like we're on the the side of we need to do more. That's that's totally. where we are. Yeah, we're trying. We're getting too many mailers. Yeah, right, you know? right. So, what are some non negotiables that have to be present to legitimately say evangelism is taking place here? Um, you know, I think again, going back to the definition, it's showing the gospel. And the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Okay. So when I talk about sharing the gospel, I always, I, an easy way um, to break down the gospel is God, sin, Christ, response. And you mm-hmm. want to make sure that you're you're hitting those points. That there's a God who's there that, that loves us and he made us to know him and love him. Sin, that we've turned away from God um, and it's caused us to be alienated and estranged from him. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is God, the son who came and died on the cross for our sins and response. Uh, it's through faith and repentance that we might be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God. And, you know, I think for evangelism to be taking place, we need to be proclaiming the gospel. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that every time we'll be able to go through all four points. You know, sometimes we might only be able to talk about one point. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, I could still say that you're, you're doing the work of evangelism, you know, and you pray and maybe one conversation, it's just about God. And the next next time you meet, it's like you know what, there's something wrong with the world. Yeah, you know, I can we can we can speak on that. It's yes. because of sin, and um, so I would say that you know, event for evangelism to be taking place, there needs to be some sort of verbal proclamation of the gospel. So you know, sometimes you hear um, that whole thing. Well, preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary. Uh, yeah, you know, that's not <laughs> biblical and. They say, I can't remember who they say said it, but he probably didn't say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. But, Francis, I think. Yeah, St. Francis or somebody. Uh, but the, the thing is, is the gospel re- in- includes, requires, part of sharing the gospel is the verbal proclamation. Yes. So using our words, whether it's speaking or writing an email or a letter, um, words are part of it. Well, so. and, Tom, you know, what I, you know what I love? And this is one of the reasons why I'm so glad that you came onto the Think Podcast. Because just now, as you're talking about evangelism and just in the course of speaking, you just fired off the four points of the gospel. Like, I'm clear that was not your first time 
enunciating those four sure. things. You know, God, Christ, uh, or God, sin, Christ, response. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is where I would love to see people get to where they could just, mm-hmm. in the course of just speaking, well, here's what I believe about what's wrong with the world and how to make mm-hmm. it right. And that did not, when you just articulated that, mm-hmm. it didn't seem forced. It didn't seem like you were straining for the words. It didn't seem like you were selling something. It was natural. Mm. It was clear. And then you know what? And then you were able to just seamlessly just move on from it. But someone listening to that mm-hmm. has enough right there to know yeah. who God is, what's wrong with them, right. how to make it, how God makes it right, and yeah. then their necessary response. Mm. Now, I know that your gift, you're, you're, you're passionate about evangelism. Sure. Here's my question. And this is, and I don't want to get too controversial here. Huh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause I know this is a debated subject. Sure. Is there, in your opinion, a spiritual gift of evangelism? Like there might, like there's a gift of teaching mm-hmm. or a, we might say prophecy or, or helps or administration. Sure. Is there a gift of evangelism? I don't know. Take a side, Tom. <laughs> I Take don't a know. side. I, you know, I used to say- Put def- a flag in the ground. I used to say definitely yes. And then people said no. And I, <laughs> I kind of go back and forth. But I do think that God has gifted some people that in, in a way that they more naturally gravitate toward evangelism and are more passionate about it and want to see other people grow in it. And I, I feel that way for me. Hmm. So has he given me that a gift? You know, perhaps if it is a gift, I would say yes. Okay. Um, and, but I think that, but, but then you could, you could fall into the problem of, well, I don't have the gift, so I don't need to do it. Right. Um, but I think God's called all of us to do it. Just like with prayer, you know, some people I think, oh, God has really gifted them to have a ministry of prayer. Um, but God has called all believers yes. to pray. And so... Yeah, that's kind of where I land. So, in the book of Acts, you've got Philip the Evangelist. That's right. He's called the Evangelist. That's right. Is is this an official title? Should we have folks in the church who are designated as evangelists? Or is that just a nickname because Phil loved to share the gospel? You know, what's yeah. going on there? Well, that, and yeah, what, what's a, the implication? That's a great question, that? you know, I mean... But, you know, in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about these different offices. Mm-hmm. And Ephesians 4, 11, he says that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, mm-hmm. the shepherds, and teachers. So it seems like there is kind of a unique role or office that God has called individuals for mm-hmm. the, the role of evangelists. So, yeah, I tend to think that he has in, in the early church and throughout the age of the church called some individuals uh, to be evangelists. And that's kind of their their main ministry. Okay. Yeah. But you would still see it as an obligation for all Christians. Yes. I just want to just yeah. keep hammering that point home. <laughs> oh yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, man, that that's cool, and it is good to see that there that God does call certain men and women to that position. Oh, for sure. And I think of like somebody like uh, there's a guy, there's a British minister in England named Glenn Scrivener. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's an evangelist. God has clearly gifted him in that way and called him to that. Yes. And his ministry now is to train and encourage and equip other people to be evangelists. Yeah. So I'm always super encouraged by his stuff. Yeah. So, I remember when I asked you about resources for evangelism. Yeah. You pointed me towards Scrivener's podcast, which yeah. is, what is that called again? Yeah. The Evangelist Podcast. So I know he's got tons of different resources online, um, but that's one of them. So. Cool. Yep. So now when we're thinking about ways to evangelize today, 
There are so many options mm-hmm. available to us. Sure. You mentioned online. We talked about doing the, the big tent, uh, large, large scale gathering type thing. Yeah. I know some guys who stick to open air preaching. Sure. You know, they will go to fairs and festivals. Yeah. And they will preach, you know, outside of them. Sure. Um, what are some of those methods that you've used mm-hmm. for cross of Christ or even outside of cross of Christ? Because you've, I mean, I've, I've, I tell you this all the time. I've stolen at least a few of your ideas, mm-hmm. and I give you credit sure. for it for the most for the most part. And I stole them from someone else. So <laughs> yeah, right. It's like nothing's new. Well, so yep. so what are some of those methods that yeah. you can personally recommend? I mean, I I think again, it's the whole gambit. It's trying lots of different things in different seasons and different times. And um, so, of course, you have relational evangelism. Mm-hmm. So just loving your neighbors and being intentional and telling them about inviting them to, to know Christ, inviting yeah. them to church. So, yeah. of course, it's always trying to do that, trying to serve them and love them. Um, that's one thing. Uh, one ministry we have is through it's a worldview kind of ministry where it's a discussion group ministry uh, where we, we have discussion groups in the community uh, through Meetup. And so... Through that, um, we invite people to come and discuss various topics like what is truth, you know, what is beauty, what happens after you die, what can science teach us about reality. And we've been really blessed to have a lot of non-Christians come to that. Um, And they know that it's run by Christians. Mm -hmm. They know that I'm a pastor and that I will talk about Jesus. Uh, But we do it in such a way that we say that we have two aims. Um, and the first aim is that to provide a safe place that people from the community can come and have deep discussions about topics they don't normally get to speak about. Right. The second one, we say this is really shaped by our Christian convictions. And that is what is the truth about these topics? Mm. And I've had even one person when we got to there, put their hand up and say, well, I don't believe you can know the truth. And I'm like, well, you know, this is where we're coming from. Right. And is that a true statement? You know, and so. <laughs> Wait. You, you, did you ask him that? Yeah. Is that a true, I true said, statement? Is that a true statement? And like, we could talk about it later. Got him. <laughs> so, uh, but we had a lot of, we've had a lot of non-Christians come to that. And through that, we're able to build friendships with people yes. and invite them to know Christ. And we always get to share the gospel, either in the big group setting or before and after. And you're sowing seeds. Um, we've, had, we've had a few people come to church. We haven't seen anyone come to faith in Christ through the ministry, but... You know, it feels like a lot of our ministry is just the sowing of seed mm. and we sow in a lot of seeds. So we're really thankful for that. That's the that's a discussion group ministry. Um, and we try lots of other things, honestly. Mm. So there is a festival in Naperville every year called the Last Fling Festival. And for four days, we rent a booth there and we've got a big board, a question board, and we ask a different question every day. So, you know, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? Mm. You know, what's the purpose of life? Uh, who is Jesus? What happens after you die? We kind of mix it up. And people will come by and they'll write their answer on a post-it note and they'll put it on the board. And by the end of the day, the board is full. Hmm. Uh, and when people write their answer and they put it on the board, it gives you an opportunity to engage in a conversation with them. So if you say, you know, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And that's what we asked two of the days this year. And someone says, you know, well, I would ask what happens after I die? Hmm. And you can use conversation, you can use questions to, to engage them with like, oh, why did you ask that? Um, or do you, do you know what Jesus taught about this? Mm. Have you ever considered how the Bible helps you know that? And so it's using questions. And I think that's a big, uh, a big approach that we use because questions are very disarming. Yes. Jesus used a lot of questions and it, it can, you know, you're not using questions to trick somebody, but 
questions. Um, it's like a gentle way of engaging in a spiritual conversation with somebody. Okay. Now, can we go back to the discussion groups that you run? Sure. Really quick. Just yeah. because, you know, this is one of the, the yeah. ideas that I've taken and I've run yeah. with myself. Sure. Um, now this, you, you you host them where? What's the venue? So we host them at a local Barnes and Noble cafe. Okay. And this is in downtown Naperville. Downtown Naperville. Yeah. Which is just a beautiful downtown. Beautiful area. Great place so, to spend time. Yeah. When we first started, it's been a few years now we've been going. I asked the uh, cafe manager if it would be okay. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay. And uh, two Saturdays a month, we I get in there right when it opens up at mm -hmm. nine o'clock. And we push the tables together right by the cafe. And people start showing up by 930. And we start officially at 10. Uh, but, you know, there's 20 to 30 people there often, and everyone's buying drinks. Yeah. And the cafe has been very generous to turn the music down. Um, mm. And then we're done by 11, 11.30. We put all the tables back. And, you know, we've, we've bought quite a few drinks and food. And yeah. uh, But it, it's a nice space in that it's it's very welcoming. It's very it's not like someone's home where that could be more intimidating for mm -hmm. someone to come into, but it's an open cafe. Right. And we've even had people wander into the cafe and want to listen in. And yeah. they're like, hey, what's going on? Can yeah. I join in? And um, so, I love yeah, that. It's been a good space. Don't you love yeah. when you catch someone eavesdropping? Yes. <laughs> you're like, like, yeah. You know, you're you're talking to the group, and yeah. then you see someone's ears kind of cocked towards you, and yep. oh, now I'm speaking to this person yeah, too. Yeah, you know? that's um, right. And often, I think it's interesting in those discussions. Sometimes we have a very argumentative person, mm -hmm. you know, and they're arguing very strongly against the biblical worldview. Um, and it's an opportunity to engage them and you've got the 20, some other people listening in. Mm. And so maybe that person is not a, in a very teachable place at the moment, the one you're engaging with, but you have the other 20 that are listening. They're looking at, are you responding graciously? Mm. Um, they're looking at your arguments, they're looking at all those things. And that so. can be one of the most effective ways to evangelize is third person. You're yeah. speaking to someone but the third person listening, yeah, because they don't have anything at stake. They're not defending their position yeah. or their unbelief. They can just sort of listen with their guard down. That's right. And when you can do that, the gospel yeah. is very compelling. I agree. I agree. So um, now, at the end yeah. of the, the talks, when you or at the end of the, the conversations, yeah. do you share the biblical worldview message about whatever the topic is? I do. I do. And I, you know, it's sometimes I'm more explicit. And more full and, and than others, but I always try to bring it back to Christ. Mm. And they know that. I say, you know, you're going to hear about Jesus. And I, I, I even make a joke about it. I'm, I'm the facilitator, so I get the last word. Yeah. And I do <laughs> always point to Christ. So, but what we do is we try to create a series of questions in the discussion group where it gets people to really think about their worldview. Mm. So the 20 to 25 people get there. And we, we open up the time by doing introductions. So I introduce the purpose of the group or those two purposes I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And then we have everyone introduce themselves and they have to say their name, but also their worldview hmm. and why they came. So the that I think really? that makes it a unique thing and that they have to put their cards on the table. So I say, I'm Tom, I'm a Christian. And sometimes I elaborate a little bit, became Christian when I was 18 or I yeah. believe Christianity tells us the truth about reality. Um, and I'm here for whatever reason. Wow. But then everyone else has to share their view. So you have someone there like, oh, I'm Scott and I'm a humanist. I'm an atheist humanist. And mm -hmm. I'm here for this reason. And a lot of people come and they say, well, I don't really know what I believe. or, um, And so, but it, it gets the cards on the table. And yeah. then it allows you as a Christian to engage that worldview. Yeah. So then we, we create questions to help people wrestle with the topic. And as a Christian, we believe that, you know, this is God's world. 
And somebody who's not a Christian is not able to live consistently, their, their worldview out consistently. Mm. So if someone says there is no purpose to life, um, they're not living that out consistently. Right. Um, or if or morals are just relative, yeah. they're not able to live that out consistently. So we try to ask questions to help them see that mm-hmm. and then point them to the gospel. Yeah, that reminds me of a time when Ravi Zacharias, after one of his talks, he was speaking about morality and yeah. somebody, a young man, got up and took the microphone during Q&A time and yeah. asked him, you know, what is your big hang up with subjective morality? Why, why do you hate the idea that morality is subjective? Yeah. And Ravi just looked at him with that twinkle in his eye and said, right. do you lock your doors at night? <laughs> you know, right, yeah. and, yeah. and everybody paused and then just erupted <laughs> in laughter because they yeah. recognized, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe that, maybe I, maybe I'm not really being consistent here. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do care about objective. That's, that's right. Morality. Yeah, definitely. And so that's part of it. I mean, it's a trying to approach it from a gentle way and it's not, not, it's not being underhanded. It's not yeah. trying to trick them, but it's saying, hey, well, these are. Let's explore, can we live out our worldview consistently, yeah. and what yeah. is the truth of reality? And so we try to ask those questions, and it yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, people like thank us for hosting the group, and hmm. they know I'm a Christian, and they know I'm a pastor, and um, so we're thankful for that. We're always just praying for them. We, I mean, the, the people that come to this group, these are people that aren't interested in coming to church or a Bible study. So it's people you sometimes use that term pre-evangelism, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of it's pre-evangelism and evangelism. It's building a friendship, sowing seeds, inviting the church, inviting them to know Christ and mm-hmm. knowing that only God can change their hearts. So, so are there any yeah. evangelistic methods that you would warn against? Um, you know, there's so many different ways that, you know, we're trying to, I think that so many good ways to get the word out, you know, like cold contact evangelism, I think can have its place. So sometimes I, I stand on the corner with a hand, a handful of gospels of John Mm. and I say, Hey, there's really good news in here. Have you read it? Mm. And I just give it to people and 90% of the people ignore me. Sure. Um, but of the last 10%, some of them will take it. Uh Uh-huh. I'll get a few scoffers um, and I'll get a, f- a few really serious conversations. And often a few Christians say, thank you for being out here. Mm. Um, and oftentimes I'll really get to share the gospel with somebody. And I, I think of an co- opportunity, I think of this happened recently. This guy had a, had a Greek, he had a tattoo of a, from a Greek philosopher on his arm. I can't even remember what it was, but we had a long conversation Wow. And I met him on the street. Wow. And then another guy I, I met through that cold contact evangelism. And now I see him probably once a week. And it's like, really? Because when you think of cold contact evangelism, you think, well, it's, it's not relational at all, but it can become relational. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, I think that there can be a place for that. I think there can be a place for street preaching. Uh, I've done a little bit of that. I haven't done much in Naperville. Um, there can be a place for knocking on people's doors. Mm. I think for me, it's more just the courage to get up and do it. Yeah. I need someone to, I need someone to come alongside me and say, Hey, let's go do it together. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that I would warn against is probably using gimmicks. So okay. we don't want to trick people and we don't want to use the language of scripture underhanded or deceitful ways. We don't want to do mm. that. And I know as a, as a new Christian, I, I was very zealous in wanting to share my faith. And, you know, there are some really cheesy kind of gimmicky ways. Like the, there's like the dollar bill or the million dollar oh, bill yeah. that has the gospel. And I used to like give those out and I think it can, or leave them places. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I'm picking up a dollar. Oh no, it's a Christian track. Yeah. And, 
I know that God can work through that. Sure. And, but maybe I would not advocate <laughs> for, right. you're not, you don't want to trick people. Right. Um, or be too gimmicky. I think. Well, that, so that, that almost would have the effect of devaluing the gospel because. Yeah. They're thinking that they're getting something of actual tangible value. Right. And then, oh, no, it's just yeah. at that point, anything else is going to seem like a disappointment. Yeah, that's true. Unless they unless they read it and believe. Oh, yeah. they, they, you know. Well, I mean, and, and I mean, I guess I'm preaching this or preaching at Cross of Christ Fellowship through Philippians right now. And hmm. Philippians one pause this interesting situation where. There's some people are preaching at preaching Christ out of envy or rivalry. Mm. They're not out of good motives. So yeah. I guess you don't want to do evangelism out of bad motives. Right. You don't want to do evangelism because you think this is what I need to do to be right with God. Right. You know, it needs to flow out of like I love Christ. Mm. And so I'm doing this because I love Christ. And because I love my neighbor, who without the gospel is going to hell. Yeah. They will perish. Yeah. And so I guess it's you know, you don't want to do gimmicky or deceitful methods and you don't want to, you know, you want to do it for the right reasons. And our hearts are never perfectly like there's always because of the fallen nature yes. or the, you know, the old self or, you know, it's the, um, we struggle in that, and, you know, Christ purifies our, our works. He cleanses us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it's just checking your heart. And sometimes I've, I feel like I've, I've seen that in my own heart. Like, why, why am I going out to do this? And it's like, well, Let's let's pray through the motives a little bit. Yeah, in our heart, and that's good. Um, so, all right. So, as you and I both know, not everybody is super keen on evangelism. Sure. And there are there are some objections out there, both within the church and outside the church. So probably especially outside the church. Right. But if I could just just rapid fire, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to I'm going to th- throw some objections at you. Sure. Okay. And then just rapid fire. Let's just. Like, how do you respond to these? Okay, okay. I'll try. try All right. Uh, uh, is evangelism just uh, proselytizing? Oh, what do you define? How do you define proselytizing? Uh, <laughs> you trying to force people to to believe what you believe. No, it's not because you're not trying to force somebody to do something. Okay. Okay. Um, why do you care if others believe the same thing you do? Why can't you just leave people alone? Well, as Christians, we believe God has told us the truth about God and the world and reality. So we want to get out there and tell that truth. And because we love them and okay. we love God. Oof, that's good. Is it, isn't it just an arrogant thing to say that you have the truth and everybody else is wrong? Is that an arrogant statement? Isn't that arrogant? Well, I would, I would oh. ask the question, <laughs> a questioner, are you being arrogant by saying it's arrogant? I would, you know, I mean, I kind of turn the tables on okay. them. Yeah. I would say, no, it's not being arrogant. It's seeking to be humble because we believe we receive the truth from God. Mm. And so we want to tell the truth to others. So it's not arrogant for that. Okay. What about this? You can't, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Therefore, you have to develop a relationship with somebody and earn the right to tell them the gospel. Well, I think it's a false dichotomy. I think it can be both and, you Hmm. know, you, you might only be able to see somebody one time and you might be able to build a relationship over a long time. Uh, You could share the gospel early on or later on. Um, I don't think it's necessarily one or the other. I think it can be both and. Okay. And last one, and you alluded to this earlier. Yeah. But a recent Barna poll mentioned that of Christians who say that they're sharing their faith, the vast majority do so by living out their faith rather than explicitly talking about it. What's your response? You, you need to share the gospel verbally as well. I think it's it's both. We need to live lives that reflect our belief in the gospel, but... 
evangelism includes verbal proclamation. So I don't think you're really doing evangelism unless you proclaim the gospel because uh, it's so easy for our non-Christian friends to get a mistaken understanding you know, of what we believe. They might think, mm-hmm. oh, we're just good moral people and Christianity is about being a good moral person. But that's not the message at all. The message is we are sinners in need of a Savior and yes. Jesus is that Savior and we're saved by His grace and that grace transforms us. So, yeah. um, so not sharing the gospel actually can can really hinder a person. It can actually be a way of communicating a false gospel. That's right. Yeah, to put it even more, I don't know, that way, yeah. So, as we're wrapping things up, sure. and Tom, this has been awesome, man. Cool, man. What are you hoping that our Christian listeners will walk away with? I hope that Christians will be encouraged to go out and share their faith. Um, I know whenever I hear about somebody else sharing their faith, it encourages me. And, you know, I I would say maybe just spend some time in prayer. Lord, I want to grow in sharing my faith. Mm. Um, use me to share the gospel with somebody. And so I hope people would be encouraged and uh, and see that it's it's for everybody. And it doesn't matter how eloquent or non-eloquent you are or how how equipped you are. I think it's it's just being faithful because God works through you know vessels like us. Yes. So yeah, thank God. What yeah. about to any non-Christians who might be listening? Well, thank you for listening. It's, yeah. it's great that you're listening to this, and you know we love you and we want you to know the living God who's there, mm. and you can know Him through Jesus Christ. And we uh, hope that you'll consider him. And be reconciled to God. Yes. What resources would you recommend, Tom, to those who want to take their study of evangelism or their Hmm. practice of evangelism to the next level? Yeah. Well, I I like um, Glenn Scrivener stuff online. So I would listen to his videos and his podcasts. And Where do we find those? uh, You can just go online. Just Google it. YouTube. He's got a podcast as well. Of course, my friend Joel here. Ah. You know. You're going to get some good apologetics worldview training. Um, I think book-wise, I would say Jerem Bars has a good book. I wrote it down so I would remember it here. Jerem Bars called Learning Evangelism from Jesus. That's a good book. Hmm. Um, J.I. Packer's book, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, is a good one for um, working with you know God's sovereignty and the act of evangelism. Um, and there's a book called Evangelism in the Early Church by a guy named Green, which is really helpful and encouraging. So I'd maybe start there, but just go out and get out and do it. You know, <laughs> don't just read about it. Yeah. Get out and, get out and, and do it. Go. Love <laughs> yeah, it. Talk to your barista about Christ. Talk to your neighbor, Amen. your classmate, um, your children, your family members, whoever God places in your life. Yes. Yeah. There's this other, there's this podcast called The Pursuit of Manliness. And okay. uh, Jarrett Samuels is the host of that. He's based out of Indianapolis. Yeah. He just had a guy on recently talking about divine appointments and how uh, this is a Christian man. Everybody he encounters in his life, sitting on an airplane, his barista, the plumber, uh, waiting in line at the grocery store. Sure. You know, the, the cashier. They're all divine appointments. And mm-hmm. he assumes that God's brought them to him so he can share the gospel with yeah. them. He sure. just, he's go, he operates on that assumption. Yeah. Rather than looking for, it right. should I share? Yes. Is this right? He assumes the reason why this person is talking to me is because right. God wants me to share the gospel. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about that because we can, because one of the mistakes or one of the errors I think for us is we can over spiritualize evangelism. Mm, we can say, sure. you know, I, Unless I have this certain feeling or impulse in my heart, yeah. I'm not going to do it. And sometimes that, 
you know, I think that we're over-spiritualizing it, like, because we're called to share the gospel with our friends, just as we're called to pray and mm. read God's word, not just when we feel like yeah. it, uh, but even especially when we don't. Um, especially when we don't. You know, so the, it, you, you can over-spiritualize it, but you can also under-spiritualize evangelism. You can, you can think that it's all about having the right techniques, the right book, the right track, mm. um, but actually God has to be the one who changes a person's heart. So, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, if folks want to get in touch with you or sure. follow along with what you're doing or Cross of Christ, yeah. how can they how can they do that? Yeah, of course, through the website. Just look up Cross of Christ Fellowship um, in Naperville, and you'll find out that you can reach we can reach me through the website um, or through Twitter or Facebook. Hmm. Um, be more than happy to talk to anybody who wants to follow up on any of these topics. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Tom Schmidt, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Joel. Really, really appreciated it. Good. You can connect with the Think Institute and get more resources to help you along your spiritual journey, to help you fulfill your piece of the Great Commission. Go to thethink.institute. You can also follow us on Twitter at ThinkInst, Facebook at the Think Institute, Instagram at the Think Institute. Of course, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, all your favorite podcast apps. And we are here to equip you for your spiritual journey. And so speaking of that journey, this is not goodbye. This is just a a stop along the way. Until next time, I hope that you have opportunities to put what you heard into practice. And if you do, and if you have some opportunities, you want to share them with me, you can email me at thethink.institute at gmail.com. And I try to respond to those emails as quickly as I can. But I love hearing encouraging stories of folks who are sharing the gospel. And, um, that's, that's very encouraging and inspiring to me. So follow along, go to at the think Institute, uh, go to the think dot Institute. And until next time, I hope it made you think. Mm-hmm.